SEC spring meetings have officially begun down in Destin, Florida. What were some of the most notable quotes that came out of the spring meetings from day one? That kickoff times, a whole lot more. It's your Wednesday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome into it. Your Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. I am your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys, as always, for being in here. Shout out every dayers and uh, everybody. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, brand new to the podcast, hope you return and become an everydayer tomorrow. Uh, please subscribe to Locked On Vols on the YouTube channel and follow us wherever you get your listening podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to go ahead and get started. We got a jam-packed show here for you today. SEC spring meetings have officially begun. Day one is in the books. Some of the most noteworthy quotes that came out from some, from some SEC head coaches, uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, and uh, the future of the program, scheduling, of course, future of the conference, scheduling. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma are there as well, so um, a whole lot to get into for the spring meetings. I'm going to bring you some of the highlights uh, from day one. In segment two, the SEC on CBS announced a couple of its kickoff times. One notable Tennessee opponent will not be playing the Volunteers on the 330 slot for CBS. Which game is that? But what are some other possibilities for Tennessee to be on CBS this year? And then the segment number three, uh, something that uh, you know popped up a little bit last week that uh, I wanted to make sure to get uh, to on the show uh, Josh Dobbs called into Josh and Swain, 99.1 The Sports Animal, and of course Josh Ward, Ward Wednesday. It's been on a little bit of a pause here as I was on vacation, then I was in Hoover, and now he's on vacation, but we're going to get back to Ward Wednesdays next week. Anyway, he says some really good stuff on quarterback Joe Milton and about paying it forward. Uh, some some things he learned at Tennessee from Peyton Manning. Going to get into that in segment number three. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get into it. What were some of the most noteworthy things to come out of the spring meetings day number one. Well, Ross Dellinger had that report a couple of nights ago that it feels like Tennessee, or excuse me, the SEC is going to remain at an eight-game conference schedule, that it's unlikely that the SEC would go to nine games. Of course, none of that is done. None of that is um, over with. They're, they're still discussing it. They're still talking about it. We will see if a resolution comes later this week. But the, the feel now is that despite increasing your conference by two teams, Oklahoma and Texas, despite you know going to a college football playoff of 12 teams, it appears that the SEC is going to remain at eight games. Again, uh, hopefully that won't be the case. We'll see what happens when it's all said and done, but that's kind of the feel right now. It's really unfortunate. Uh, of course, name, image, and likeness was discussed uh, during day one of the SEC spring meetings, all that type of stuff. And uh, I wanted to pull and kind of cherry pick some of my favorite quotes from day one. And the first one was from Eli Drinkwitz. And you guys know that I'm not really much of a fan of Eli Drinkwitz. I don't think that, I mean, I think he's a decent coach, but I don't think he's a great, you know, uh, general manager of an SEC program. I think he says stuff just to stay relevant. I think a lot of what he says is just utterly stupid. Um, but he was quoted on day one of the SEC spring meetings and I had to bring it on the show because I thought it was just hilarious. Ross Dellinger put out a, a tweet, or a, a quote tweet, rather. And he says, uh, Eli Drinkwitz on college players through NIL making more money than his brother-in-law, 
who was a pediatrician, saying he saves lives. And so essentially, Eli Drinkwitz was getting bashed and bashed and bashed. But for full context, Eli Drinkwitz came back and he quoted that Ross Dellinger quote and said, for full context, here's the question and the answer. I am in no way complaining about player compensation. I fully support and always have been. This is what the full transcription is, and context is key. Here's the question from the reporter. When you see issues with gambling arising, what's your approach with your team about the issue? Is there an element of surprise, or is that just ine inevitable? And this is what Eli Drinkwood said in response. Y'all are really trying to get me in trouble here. Um, Deion Sanders had a really good quote about this the other day, talking about young men who are joining a business but we want to treat them like kids. We're giving guys 18, 19, 22-year-olds life-changing money. People are making more money in NIL than my brother-in-law, who is a pediatrician, who saves lives, and we kind of do it cavalier, and we think that there's not going to be any side effects to it. There's not going to be any issues. There's information out there. There's bad actors always trying to make a dollar. Um, I think it's going to become one of the key issues that we face in locker rooms. I think it's more prevalent because there's more money involved. Everyone's trying to make a dollar. These young men are getting a lot of money, and uh, that is a lot for right now other than trying to hand out advice and provide some parameters to it. You know, with the NIL situation, we've created our own problems in college sports. Um, I agree with him there. I, I really have no issue whatsoever with what he said. And again, context is always key. You never want to cherry pick quotes. Uh, you never want to you know, kind of go about it that way. He had the quote in there about his brother-in-law being a pediatrician, about how he saves lives, and kids nowadays are making more money. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, what he's saying is completely right. Now, I had all this pulled up before I read the full quote, and I was going to bash Eli Drinkwitz. Eli Drinkwitz talking about um, you know, kids making more money than his brother-in-law who's a pediatrician who saves lives. Well, Eli Drinkwitz made $4 million in 2022. In November, he signed a contract extension. Uh, that increases salary by 50%, up to $6 million in 2023. And the way that his contract is structured, he'll see another salary bump, if he's still the head coach, to $7 million in 2027. And remind you, Missouri went 6-7 and seven last year with a 3-5 and five record in the Southeastern Conference. So I was ready to bash old Eli Drinkwitz a little bit, but when you read the full context of what was said, uh, I, I don't really have much to stand on, so I agree with that. Um, but one other thing I want to bring into uh, you know circle here, Kirby Smart was asked uh, by Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports on what his thoughts were, future scheduling in the South Southeastern Conference, remain at eight games, go to nine games. He said, that's the most overrated conversation there ever was. Four years, you play everybody home and away. It's just not that big of a deal to me. Well, when you're the back-to-back -back national champion, when you're the king of college football, I, I guess you can really, you know, kind of agree with that because you know Kirby Smart is kind of living by his own rules right now, uh, and, and that's uh, you know that is for sure. Um, Nick Saban is wanting to stay at, at eight games. Nick Saban's kind of driving this ship a little bit, and Kirby Smart's saying, "Hey, I don't care. Uh, you come down here. I'm going to play you. It doesn't matter. We're not scared of nobody." Greg Sankey, who is obviously the SEC commissioner, he does not have a vote. Uh, in this situation. Um, technically, he could be the tiebreaker, but I don't believe that he would put himself in that position to be the bad guy. Um, he very much wants a nine-game conference schedule. He won't come out and say it. He's got to remain unbiased, but essentially going into the SEC spring meetings, he was asked about that, and he was quoted by saying this, the league at the forefront of college athletics does not stand still, and this is a league at the forefront of college athletics. 
Now, whether change happens immediately as part of a careful consideration and a deep consideration, you can make arguments around both. Um, he says, I would prefer not to circle around the airport with airplanes. I'd prefer to land it. When asked about the scheduling discussions, eight games, nine games, essentially that they need to go ahead and, and get it done. He was pretty much, you know, asked what his opinion was without asking it. He kind of pretty much gave it there, but kind of asked, you know, what, what side are they leaning towards these athletic directors and these chancellors and presidents who get the votes? He said, I think it'd be disrespectful to me to put that information to you right now when I'm obligated to the members who have to make that decision. They would be rightfully angry with me if I disclosed that information right now. When asked about money and if the money is the root of all this conversation, he says, quote, money follows. It does not lead. Um, when all you do is chase money, you make bad decisions. That's my view, and I'm watching that in college sports right now. Football players transferring and realizing maybe they were promised isn't real. If all we're doing is chasing money, then we're not going to be making very good decisions. We have not done that, and we won't be doing that here. Okay, um, yes, you have done that. <laughs> TV deals, <laughs> scheduling, conference expansion, literally, it's to make more money. Greg Sankey, I like you, buddy, but we have not done that, and we won't do that here. Shut up. It is all about money 100%. So Greg Sankey can't come out and say that he favors nine games to eight games, but through those comments, we pretty much know that he favors nine games to eight games. Uh, lastly, coming out of day one of the SEC spring meetings, you had Nick Saban, who you know took to the forefront, was asked about all that type of stuff, name, image, and likeness, eight games, nine games, all that type of stuff. And pretty much he's saying, you know, the rate we're going right now, it's, it's a little bit like the wild, wild west. He was quoted by saying, so now you start paying taxes on that name, image, likeness, just because you got a tutor, you're going to have to pay taxes. All these things to me, I made the statement a couple of years ago and got criticized for it. Is this what we want college football to become? So now it's kind of becoming that, and I don't think it's going to be a level playing field because some people are showing a willingness to spend more than others. If you want to bring the NFL into it, they have a salary cap. They have all the things that level the playing field. Essentially, he's saying if you're doing pay-for-play, the, the level, the field is not level whatsoever. He was quoted, um, while I certainly agree that there are some challenges to the current situation that we're in as it presents in terms of amateur athletics, NIL is a good thing for players. They have a way to make some money, but when it turns into pay for play, then you're not getting, then you're getting into a different arena here. I think when you start talking about players being employees, unions, now you're getting paid for something. So now you have to pay tax. We probably invest eighty-five dollars to $100,000 on every single player that we have, whether it's in academic support, tutoring programs. There's a tremendous investment made in player development, not only football-wise, but academically as well as personally. Again, you can't pass name, image, and likeness and put a salary cap on that because what my name, image, and likeness is is not valued to what your name, image, and likeness is or what Joe Milton's name, image, and likeness is, or Nico Iamaliava, or Aaron Beasley. Um, what you're worth is not what that guy's worth. You can't put a salary cap on that. So I understand um, you know, the issues here and all that, but you had 30 years to figure this out. The NCAA did not, and then said, all right, states, regulations, conferences, you deal with it. We're going to wipe our hands clean just so that we can't be put in prison by the federal courts. That's essentially what the NCAA did. So um, some interesting stuff from day one down at the SEC spring meetings. Hopefully there will be resolution for the eight or nine game conference schedule when Texas and Oklahoma officially join the Southeastern Conference for the football season of 2024. But it feels like 
that is not really on the table, or that feels like the it's remaining at eight games is the likely scenario. Hopefully that's not the case, but um, you know we'll certainly see and we'll keep tabs on that. SEC spring meetings going down in Destin, Florida as we speak. All right, when we come back, SEC on CBS, they announced some of their kickoff uh, matchups and times. Tennessee and Florida not picked for that September the 16th matchup, and that is a real shame. But what are some other possibilities for Tennessee on CBS? That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. But guys, as we always do, I want to remind you about a proud sponsor of the show. That is our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs right now. Eastern Conference Finals just wrapped up, and boy, was it a good one. The Celtics couldn't quite complete the comeback. Miami put them down, but because right now, new customers over at FanDuel Sportsbook can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. Yes, $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. All you need to do is go to FanDuel Sportsbook right now, get great promotions over to FanDuel Sportsbook each and every single day on the safe and secure, easy-to-use app where you get paid instantly. You don't have to sit around and wait for a week or a month, end of the month, whatever, to get your cash out. You get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on the playoff action than over at America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. We'll go back into your Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys being here. Shout out everydayers for making Locked On Vols your first listen each and every day. SEC spring meetings are underway down in Destin, Florida, and that was some of the highlights from uh, day one. We'll continue to break down all that's being discussed down there uh, every single day right here on Locked On Vols. Tennessee playing in the Clemson Baseball Regional. Uh, that is coming up uh, at the end of the week. Tennessee and Charlotte. The two and the three will get going seeds in that region. will get going at 6 o'clock on Friday nights, and that game will be televised on ESPNU. I will be at the Clemson Regional, and uh, if you want to follow along with Tennessee baseball, you can follow my work over at VolQuest.com right here on Lockdown Balls, and as always, at underscore Kaner. Okay, so on Tuesday, the SEC on CBS schedule, parts of it was announced, some of those windows, and it gets going on September the 16th. South Carolina at Georgia, that's a noteworthy date because that's when Tennessee plays Florida. That's unfortunate. Uh, they have a couple of doubleheaders scheduled for uh, this um, this season, one of which is on October 21st at noon. Air Force will be at Navy, and then there'll be another SEC on CBS Game of the Week at 3.30. Uh, world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Georgia versus Florida, that's going to be on the 28th of October at 3.30. Another doubleheader on November the 4th. They will have Missouri at Arkansas, 4 o'clock on November the 24th. SEC Championship game will be at 4 o'clock on December the 2nd. They will carry Army versus Navy on December the 9th at 3 o'clock Eastern. And CBS will also televise the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl at 2 o'clock on December the 29th. And, of course, that is an ACC Pac-12 tie into that one. So, essentially, starting off with the bank, September the 16th, the SEC on CBS game of the week is going to be South Carolina at Georgia. It is not going to be Tennessee and Florida. It's very unfortunate. Uh, Tennessee and Florida have played on that 330 time slot on CBS like 15 times in the last 20 years or something. It's It's been insane how many times they have played in that time slot. It's been, uh, it's been wild. 
Um, unfortunately, that's not going to be the case this year. And it's, you know, I thought that was going to be it last year. Thought that the announcement this week was going to have Tennessee and South Carolina, or excuse me, Tennessee and Florida on September the 16th. But uh, that is uh, not the case. But some other weeks that would be intriguing for Tennessee. You know, a lot of these weeks where they don't have a matchup, they just say SEC on CBS game of the week, SEC on CBS uh, game of the week. Uh, when I look at the Tennessee schedule, and I look at some primetime Southeastern Conference games that you know could maybe go in there. Look at September the 30th. That slot is open. South Carolina at Tennessee. I mean, that's going to be a good game. Why? Well, because you've probably got contenders two and three in the SEC East going at it. You know, the two teams that are trailing Georgia, the two teams that, in my opinion, are probably ahead of Florida and Kentucky at the time being. The way South Carolina took a step at the end of last year, the way Tennessee obviously took a ginormous step last year, I think that would be a really good game. Plus, South Carolina knocked Tennessee out of the playoff picture last year. And so that is a game that Tennessee fans are going to be rowdy for. They're going to be showing up early and uh, could be really interesting at Neyland Stadium on September the 30th. That week is open, so I think South Carolina at Tennessee could be a really, really good possibility for a CBS 330 game. What about on October the 14th? Part of a doubleheader. You've got, um, I believe, let's see here, October the 14th. I think that's the... Air Force at Navy game. Yeah, you got Air Force at Navy at noon, but that 3.30 time slot is opened up, and Tennessee on that day welcomes A&M. That'll be the first game following the bye week for the University of Tennessee, so Texas A&M coming to town. Could that be a potential for a 3.30 CBS game? Not much of a rivalry, sure, but depending on what Texas A&M looks like at this point in the season, depending on the quarterback that they go with, um, depending on the offensive <laughs> the offensive situation with the coordinator right there with Petrino and, of course, Jimbo Fisher. What does A&M look like at that point in time? And remember, these games are scheduled out a week in advance, so it would be around the end of September when they when, – or two weeks in advance. It would be around the end of September when they announce the October 14th CBS kickoff time and, and, and team. So – um, yeah, that'll be interesting. And of course, what does Tennessee look like? But Texas A&M at, at Tennessee and Neyland Stadium, I think it'd be a, another candidate to be on CBS at this point in time this year. Uh, let's go one week, October 21st, another doubleheader. And the doubleheader has uh, Air Force at Navy. Okay, sorry. So October 14th, uh, that was a straight doubleheader. There's no game schedule whatsoever. October 21st is a doubleheader. At noon, it'll be Air Force at Navy. And then the afternoon 3.30 slot is opened up. And could potentially Tennessee be in that time slot? Well, Tennessee is playing Alabama. Third Saturday in October. Tennessee and Alabama. You know you know as well as I do, that is a great Great candidate to be the 330 CBS game. Even when Tennessee was not very good the last decade plus, they would play Alabama, CBS, 330, so many different times. So um, I think that one along with South Carolina is probably your best choices. And then potentially here towards the end of the season as we're getting into on November the 18th, that date is open as well. Could it be Tennessee and Georgia at Neyland Stadium? What is, I mean, what does Tennessee look like? What does Joe Milton look like? Is Tennessee the clear number two in the SEC East? Is Tennessee pushing Georgia uh, for a spot in, in Atlanta at that point in time? Uh, if so, if all those things kind of you know round out just like it did last year, you know CBS is going to jump on that. It'll be at Neyland State in the rematch of last year's uh, CBS game for that uh, for that week. It'll be Georgia at Tennessee. So 
it's disappointing that Tennessee and Florida aren't getting that CBS 3.30 kickoff time, but I do believe Tennessee will definitely be on CBS at some point. Um, you you got to have that brand. You got to have that viewership. It'll be on CBS multiple times, in my opinion. Uh, but if it's not Tennessee and Florida, which it won't be, look for September the 30th, South Carolina and Tennessee. Uh, look for the third Saturday in October, October 21st, Tennessee at Alabama, or look for Georgia at Tennessee on November the 18th. I think those would be some really good possibilities for T- for Tennessee to appear on CBS. Hey, when we come back, Josh and Swain, 99.1 The Sports Animal, Josh Ward, Ward Wednesday. Yeah, that guy. Um, he and Swain welcomed Josh Dobbs, former Tennessee quarterback, onto their radio program at some point last week. Had a lot of interesting comments to say about how now he's paying it forward for Tennessee quarterbacks, just like Peyton Manning did for him. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Balls. We got a final segment left here of your Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols at underscore Caner and at Locked On Vols is where you can engage with the show. Appreciate you guys, you everydayers, for showing up and uh, engaging with me on Twitter and uh, on the YouTube comments. I see those and I appreciate you guys there. Uh, the last topic I want to get into here on a Wednesday before hopefully we talk to somebody down in Destin tomorrow on the show. Um, hopefully, going to catch up with Ramon Foster at some point this week. VFL, former NFL. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, great, and now co-host of 104.5 The Zones Morning Show. Hoping to catch up with him at some point this week as well. Still hoping to talk a little Tennessee softball. I uh, haven't had much of a struck out trying to get someone to come on the show uh, to talk Tennessee softball, Lady Vols softball, but hopefully before the weekend starts, um, I can get somebody to uh, to talk that as well. We'll we'll preview everything that is the Clemson Regional uh, coming up on Friday. So we got a, we got a couple of really good shows coming up to end uh in your work week here on Lockdown Vols. But uh, to end this one, Josh and Swain welcome former uh, Tennessee quarterback Joshua Dobbs onto the radio show last week. And uh, it was really good conversation about paying it forward for Tennessee quarterbacks. Um, I was speaking on this podcast a couple days ago, and you know it was during Bill Conley's you know top 75 quarterbacks of the 2000s, and Peyton just missed that one, T. Martin just missed that one. You know, Casey Clawson was not on that list. Uh, of course, those two quarterbacks because they they don't you know they were they were in the nineties. Um, Casey Clawson didn't appear on that list. Eric Ainge didn't appear on that list, and Josh Dobbs didn't appear on that list. But uh, that's you know b- before Hendon Hooker, those were really the only you know noteworthy quarterbacks that you could brag about coming from Tennessee uh, in the two thousands. Josh Dobbs is you know phenomenal. You know, beating Florida in, in twenty sixteen, beating Georgia on the Hail Mary in twenty sixteen, he was. So much fun to root for, and uh, he's made a career as being a backup quarterback in the National Football League, so he's still making money playing football, and that's awesome. He came on the show, Josh and Swain, 99 the Sports Animal, and recounted a story about when Peyton Manning came back and spent some time with the Tennessee quarterbacks when he was still at the University of Tennessee. It was just after he retired from the National Football League, and this is the quote that he said about that visit. He said it was all about preparation. He set us down, and we went through literally like a three-hour or three hour a dissertation from Peyton, <laughs> and uh, just talking about preparing as a quarterback, not only obviously for games, but to be the best person you can be, the best teammate you can be, and what you're doing throughout the year to improve and to get ready for the season. He re- he remembers that being uh, the lesson, the three-hour dissert- uh, d- dissertation that Peyton Manning gave to him and the Tennessee quarterbacks back when he was still there. And, of course, Dobbs went on, one of the better quarterbacks of this era for sure for Tennessee, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, he went over and said, now he's trying to do that with Joe Milton and with Tennessee quarterbacks. He said, um, 
he gave see he said he was in town recently and reached out to Joe Milton and um he said this about that experience quote I remember texting Joe I was like I'll be in town on Friday want to get a workout in or do y'all want to get a workout in he was like cool I'll set it up uh then showing up Friday night nine o'clock eastern time and uh he had every receiver out there they were in the warm-up lines they're getting ready to go to get some work in he said it was really cool seeing their work ethic really cool seeing the culture from the guys the current guys on campus there at tennessee it's cool hanging out with them throwing with them and and just being a, a you know a brother a, a you know former ball quarterback and so um i thought that was really interesting you know the, the story that he said he's saying hey you know peyton did this for me i want to come back and do this for you you know texting joe milton saying hey do you want to work out or do y'all want to work out joe's like yeah cool i'll get it set up he shows up at the time and place and Every receiver's out there getting warmed up, ready for a little workout. I, I thought that was really, really cool. One, it shows the culture, the, the buy-in. Everybody wants to get there, get better. Number two, it shows that Joe Milton's a leader of this football team, leader of the offense, and pretty much what he says they do. I think that's awesome. And number three, it just shows like, hey, you know, these guys, they care. You know, they want to get better. But, you know, when Josh Dobbs comes in, you want to you go out there and show out for him. You want to go out and learn something from him, right? Just like Josh Dobbs did with Peyton Manning. You know, it was likely here on campus. And final thing he said, uh, you know, during this interview about that experience, he said, it's all about a fraternity, continuing to build that fraternity, you know, if he and his brothers at Tennessee, to be able to be a part of it, man, I know it means a lot to, to, to me and it means a lot to them as well. So I thought that was a really, you know, cool, I thought that was a cool little exchange. And of course, that's, uh, that was during an interview last week on Josh and Swain, 99.1, the sports animal, you know, I'm not shocked whatsoever that Peyton Manning came in and, and gave a three-hour lecture on how to be a better quarterback or how to be a better teammate and, and being prepared. That shocks me uh, none in the, in, the, in the slightest, right? I mean, that's so Peyton Manning, it, it hurts. And Josh Dobbs has been around ever since leaving Tennessee. He's been around. He's been hanging out with Hendon Hooker. Now he's hanging out with Joe Milton. And when you think about it, you, you feel like Josh Dobbs was here just the, the other day, right? But he was gone, and then you know there's been two head football coaches since – you know, his departure, Butch Jones is last year in 2017, then he gets fired. Jeremy Pruitt came in and now you got Josh Heupel. So it, it's been a minute. It's actually been a little bit, but of course, Josh stopped still making time to come by and hang out and, and, and show his face. And, um, more than anything, kind of, you know, hand out his resources to try to, you know, better the next Tennessee quarterback. So that's what he's doing with Joe Mild right now. thought that was a really neat story. And, you know, for Joe, I continue to talk and I was talking with some friends over the weekend over the Memorial day weekend. And, um, I think until we see, and this is nothing I haven't said to you guys here on the show, but I think until we see Joe Milton do it week after week, um, you know, game after game, then we're not going to know if he's truly turned the corner. He's super easy to root for. He's got all the tools you can possibly imagine in terms of arm strength and, and build, and he's dropped 10 pounds, so that should, should help with his escapability as well. So I'm intrigued to see what Joe Milton looks like, you know, this season. I, I think that is uh, obviously <laughs> – you know, not, I'm not going out on a limb and saying that, but I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Joe Milton looks like, and I'm intrigued to see what uh, you know what Tennessee looks like this fall. So, uh, Joe Milton is the leader of this football team. No ifs, ands, buts about it. I think Nico Yamaliyev is a competitor. Um, he's been quoted in saying, you know, I, I want to get better. I want to be a sponge, but also I know that this is Joe's team, and I want to I want to help him. I want to be what he was to Hendon Hooker last year, and I think that is such a an awesome, awesome dynamic to have in a quarterback room. Um, truly does speak to the culture of Tennessee. So you're also during the honeymoon stage right now. Josh Hopple's during the honeymoon stage right now. Tennessee offense, Tennessee's, 
you know, team. It's all during the honeymoon stage. What happens when things don't go your way? Uh, hopefully that won't happen in 2023, but, you know, for a, a big stretch of time, you know, a game here or there, some quarters here and there. But um, how do you respond to it? Uh, I think the fact that Joe's leadership is showing up in Groves here in the spring is, is a big indicator that you know, Tennessee will have the leadership to steer in the right direction. So um, good stuff there. Awesome stuff. Really enjoyed listening to that interview on Josh and Swain last week. Wanted to bring it uh, some of those noteworthy quotes over here to uh, Lockdown Vols. Appreciate you guys being here as always for making Lockdown Vols your first listen each and every day. Like I said, we'll come back tomorrow. Hopefully we'll have a couple interviews. Uh, looking ahead to the 2023 Tennessee football schedule. Uh, I'm going to check in with Lockdown Mizzou at some point this week. So looking forward to that and checking in on the Tigers and my favorite coach in the SEC, Eli Drinkwitz. And of course, getting you ready for the Clemson Regional for Tennessee baseball this weekend. At Locked On Vols on Twitter, at underscore Kaner. Please like and subscribe this video on YouTube. Set your reminders. That way it'll notify you when a new episode drops. Uh, subscribe to Locked On Vols on YouTube. And please, please, please subscribe and follow wherever you get your audio podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, rate me five stars, leave me a positive review. I say all this stuff every single day, but I promise it truly does make a difference. Appreciate you guys as always for being here. Every dayers, thanks so much. We'll do it again tomorrow. This is Locked On Vols.